Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFast Australia. You're with Colin Klupik. In this episode, you'll hear Brad Fuller, music teacher at Northern Beaches Christian School in Sydney, describe how he creates an environment for learning with clever use of language. For Brad, it's all about isms and catchphrases. Using language that assigns magical names to mundane tasks can give a magic to learning and to the gig. Let's find out more. Brad Fuller, welcome to the conversation. Thank you very much, Colin. Uh, just before we kick off, I think it would be important for listeners to know that they might detect an air of familiarity in our conversation, and therefore I should disclose that we have actually worked together. Indeed. Yeah, that was a few years ago now, but it's really great to be able to catch up with you in this uh, in this kind of environment. We're going to talk this afternoon about positive classroom culture, and you've got an interesting spin on that. And, uh, well, it's all about isms and catchphrases. Can you walk us through it? I'd love to. Well, as a musician, I, uh, I consider myself a member of the showbiz fraternity. And so I guess I've – and I've, I love television. And I love a good catchphrase. And uh, I guess over the years, I've really, really enjoyed uh, those corny sitcom catchphrases. And so – as I've uh, begin, as I began to develop my, I guess my own approach to teaching music in high school, I, over time, found myself using catchphrases to describe the sorts of, I, I guess the kind of culture that I was trying to create in the classroom, uh, and I thought that was just a, a tick of my own, some sort of idiosyncrasy, until recently I read uh, a blog post. Uh, on Fast Company about uh, a company that was using isms to actually describe, uh, not only to describe, but to shape company culture. And that was about 18 months ago. And so I thought, wow, I didn't realize this catchphrase thing was legit. And so since then, I've been chipping away at using isms with my colleagues and my students to describe the kind of culture that we want and to promote the culture in our classroom. And it's, it's uh, I guess, instead of coming up with lofty terminology and jargon, um, if you can encapsulate what you're trying to achieve with a catchphrase, well, it's built into the title, isn't it? It's a, it's a catchphrase, right? It's catchy. Um, and, and I think we're looking for something that's going to stick because if you're thinking about it, then then you're likely to act it out. Now, tell me, uh, you said you discovered this about 18 months ago, is that right? Yeah, I, I guess I became legitimized about that. Well, I was going to say, you must have felt a lot better when you realized that you were not alone. It was excellent. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize that uh, it was, well, it just made it, you know, when you find some, someone else doing it, 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 it often helps to just make you feel okay. And I guess it gave me the confidence to, uh, to begin to really tweak it and, uh, and make it more overt. Yeah, and something to really put a, a stake in the ground and say, we're going to run this department on isms. And, so, it's, and it's been really good. So I was, I was going to ask, is, is this something that you introduced quickly or did you just kind of ease in with the isms? I guess it's more about realising that I was a catchphrase guy and just embracing that and just bringing everybody else on board. So now I have a, a th well, actually, it's really interesting. My principal 
now uses my catchphrases around the school. <laughs> And well, so that's very sticky then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's amazing. And and my colleagues, we I, we do a reading group on Thursdays, which we've we've just finished. And colleagues from other faculties and I get around a, a book, uh, a, a an education book, and discuss it on Thursdays. And and the catchphrases, the isms, have wound their way into that group as well. So that's the nature of the catchphrase, isn't it? And and just by having a, a you isms, you can before you know it, people are walking around the school and using them and cross pollinating. So I, I think it's really, I'm really excited by it. So when we're talking about positive classroom culture, really what you're talking about is creating a uh, some sort of a vibe or a feel which makes people feel more work ready before they even start to think about the work. Um, is that where yeah, we're going? Yeah, I think it's it's like putting on the garment. And so it, it's like getting into character. And so when uh, we try to make coming to our classroom, we don't call it a classroom either, we just call it the music room. Uh, it's a room where you make music, right? Well, fair enough. Uh, so when you step across the threshold, we say, welcome to show business. And that changes everything. Is that it's, the first, sorry, is that the first catchphrase? That's the first catchphrase. Well, how about that? Welcome to show business. And... That changes everything right there. Uh, that that because it's not good morning seven uh, J. Please stand behind your chairs. The difference between that and welcome to show business is an absolute game changer. Uh, because you're then recognizing that the person who has stepped over the threshold has changed from being Joe Public to Joe the Entertainer, and then they're in your space with you and you're both helping each other to perfect your craft now let's just go back to 7j i I would have loved to be there the first time you said to a class like 7j and i'm sure there is plenty of 7j's out there can you describe to us what what were the facial expressions the first time you said that was there any change yes that was my standard uh the standard response i get was kind of a look of bemusement but that's something, you know, at probably 46 this year, it's it's something that I've become accustomed to. And over time, the amusement becomes acknowledgement and they buy in. And so all of my students now consider them members of the showbiz fraternity. Well, that sounds very cool. Now, I also just want to pause here for a second because your music program that you run there, and I'm just going to use this as a quick aside has a reputation for being quite innovative. I think it probably would have been rather difficult for you to ask uh, 7J to stand behind their chairs because I'm not sure that you have many in your music room. Well, no, we don't have chairs. We have we have lounges. Oh, okay. Um, I've built I've built a room with my two favourite places. I I've, I would prefer to either be on the stage and we have a, a class in our uh, we have a stage in our music room. Uh, and if I'm not on stage, I'd like I like to be on the lounge. So we have a stage and lounges. <laughs> oh, I like that. Do you have a green room as well? Well, we call we we actually call the classroom the green room uh, because everything in showbiz begins and ends in the green room, right? <laughs> so when you come in, to we say welcome to showbiz, and they go into the green room, which is the main body of our classroom, and then from time to time they leave the green room to do tasks around the room. I'm a mate. Sorry, I'm just imagining that that would have a great impact on uh, meeting with other staff because, well, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't call it a staff meeting. You'd just say, 
let's go and have a chat in the green room. Yeah, and and when you say to students, all right, it's time for a band meeting, that changes everything too. It's just amazing to put magical names to mundane tasks. <laughs> and it just it just gives a, a magic to learning that, all right, everybody sit down, please. You know, the difference between that and, all right, gang, time for a band meeting. <laughs> so, okay, let's go back to the initial catchphrase, welcome to show business. Uh, once, the, uh, once the student or the learner has effectively got over the initial shock of the fact that they're now an entertainer, can you hit, with, hit me with a few other catchphrases that they might hear during a, uh, a session? Yeah, for sure. Um, the next thing is it's all about the gig. That's our next ism. And it's all about the gig means that you're not doing what you're doing for the sake of doing it or to pass a test or because there'll be a detention. It's actually there's a gig. And when we use the term gig, that could mean all sorts of showbiz-related output. It could be a performance. It could be a composition. It's actually you need to produce some sort of body of work. So when you say it's all about the gig, then suddenly there's a purpose to the work. Uh, and we find that, well, that's that's one of the key phrases that we use. And I guess also it informs our classroom design because when we're product-focused, we need places to go in the classroom and be productive. Now, I really like that that idea of giving people a purpose. I, I just want to pause on the word purpose there because... I think that's one of the really hard parts about getting learners engaged because, well, they might not really have a purpose. And to be told a purpose is different to, I guess, discovering a purpose, which is really what you're trying to get them to do, aren't you? That's that's right. And and I guess we put the training wheels on in year seven uh, and we make each gig as a as attainable as possible and we just step it up a little each time. And the other thing is we... In, uh, in year seven, we have a two-week turnaround, which extends in year eight to one month. And by year 12, we could work on a project for an entire term. And so we found that, um, well, another, another catchphrase is we don't want rigor mortis to set in. No, and, uh, <laughs> particularly not if you're a guitarist. Yeah, indeed. And that comes from, uh, from Motown. They used to do multiple takes uh, back in the 60s in, in Detroit of, of songs. And the studio musicians would play on every song. And there would come a point where they would look at each other and say, it's got the rig, which which in effect meant that they'd played the song so many times that the life had gone out of it. Oh, okay. And so we then, having having set a goal for our students, we, we really try as, as much as possible to make sure that it's achievable and we get what we need to get from the task before we get the rig. <laughs> and so all of this informal language, I think, just helps to make it fun and yet, I guess, describe something that's really fundamental and really important. Yeah, I, look, I really like the way this is going. And uh, listeners would know that uh, I, I'm an educationalist as well. I, I work as a teacher. And in fact, as we mentioned earlier before, we've we've worked together. And I like the fact that there's just uh, the distinct absence of well, teacher talk, really. And this is really resonating with me because I sometimes find myself in a situation where I'm trying to talk to students and I say, look, look, I really don't want to use teacher talk right now. And frankly, that's because I don't really know how. 
I've forgotten it. But what you're doing here is you're creating a whole new vocabulary and a whole new language that, if I understand this correctly, is creating like a, a priming system before, before you've even started to pick up an instrument. Yeah, well, already we're feeling a particular way about ourselves, aren't we? We, um, and I think it's it's also important uh, to understand our core philosophy. One of our core philosophies. We have many philosophies at our core, which is why we have so many isms. But we're not we're not training for the music industry. We're in the music industry. Ah, the, well, that's that's a very important distinction, isn't it? I, I think so because I think this whole notion of when I leave school, I want to be a musician is ridiculous because when at which point does one call oneself a musician uh at, at, at which stage can it be said that a person has mastered music or is that even something do you need to master music to call yourself a musician so we think all of that's a load of hooey and so we just say hello year seven student you're a musician <laughs> and then you welcome to the rest of your life of <laughs> working at, at your craft and improving. So rather than we're going to teach you something, we're just going to help you become what you are. Well, yeah, you already are it. And now let's work together so that both of us can improve. And, uh, you know, there are no teachers in rock and roll. There's no the, the whole idea of teacher goes out the window and it's just – a bunch of people in a room, actually it's a bunch of musicians for us, uh, in a room, me included, trying to help each other. And uh, that's a really special environment to be in. When you when you actually realize when the teacher comes in, not feeling like I've got to teach these people, but actually I'm going to be part of an exchange of ideas. And that's awesome. So how, how do you think the ism factor has spilled over into the other colleagues that you work with, so from other faculties, etc. And you mentioned before that your uh, principal was even starting to use your catchphrases. <laughs> has, has that affected collegiality in general? Well, it gives us a common language, doesn't it? And, um, and it's, it's very easy for my, for my colleagues to go, oh, that's the guy with all of those catchphrases. Um, but they remember them. And just, just today, talking about the gig... In fact, I've been talking about the gig with my colleagues quite a bit over the last little while. We're, we're always talking about how can we improve things. And so just today, uh, our history guy said, you know what, I've got a course where we're just writing essays, but actually, what if history was all about the gig? So he's gone away <laughs> thinking about how history could be all about the gig. And I think, you know, I'd really love it if people just didn't think that we were having a discussion about music teaching today, but we were having a discussion about learning anything or, or thinking about improving at anything. And so I've just found industry-specific isms. Uh, but I think, you know, without stretching too much, most people could apply them to all sorts of pursuits. And uh, th I think that would be amazing if... if uh, if that could happen. So have you had any uh, further insight from your history guy? Uh, no, he's just gone away recently to, uh, to have a think. But um, I work very closely with the visual arts and the dance and drama people. And uh, um, interestingly, one of my closest colleagues is uh, the, the head of mathematics here as well. And the other, uh, another close colleague is uh, a senior science teacher. And 
it's just a very interesting bunch to go away and have them, you know, for, for all of us to be cross-pollinating. It's, it's really cool. I can just imagine a conversation amongst all of you sitting together in the green room where an outsider would probably have absolutely no idea what you were talking about because the conversation was so heavily peppered with isms. Yeah, but, um, you know, hang around here for six years. Don't forget, you know, you seven are here for six years. And so that's, uh, <laughs> that's a good while to get um, indoctrinated into the, the isms and the processes they represent. Well, the vibe I'm getting as well is that it's a, a, a warm invitation to, to join the ism party. And so it certainly wouldn't be uh, like an exclusive ism conversation. It'd be kind of like a welcome to the, welcome to the conversation. Yeah. Well, it's all showbiz, right, at the end of the day. I, I just believe uh, that the showbiz metaphor and uh, an understanding show business, and my particular thing is music, I think once you understand that, it just sets you up for for life. And uh, <laughs> I think I've probably got an ism about all of that as well. <laughs> so can you just, uh, as we uh, come to the end of this conversation, can you can you hit us with the... The favorite-ism, your favorite-ism. Have you got one? I think it's all about the gig. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's the thing. Um, and, you know, there's, there's so much talk in education circles over the last little while about project-based learning and uh, authentic assessment and all, all of that. And, you know, I think any of, any of us who come from... I, I'm a musician first and uh, who became a teacher. And... It's all about the gig. And so when people talk about project learning and how innovative it is, I just think, well, wait a second. That's just rock and roll. <laughs> I, I was doing all of this in a garage when I was 15 years old. So I, like I, d- I don't understand what's so lofty about it. And you know, <laughs> I like pe- it. people are getting PhDs in what I was doing in a garage <laughs> as a 15-year-old boy. So I, I think it's wonderful that people are starting to come, come around to a, uh, a musician's way of operating. One last thing I would like to talk to you about, and perhaps this is subject for another discussion, is how do we take the isms and the vibe out of your context and spread the word? How do you feel about that? I think I think that's a well. I think that's the value of and the power of the of the ism, isn't it? That um, they have a they take on a life of their own, and uh, they just spread from person to person, and it, it's just really interesting to see. Actually, I do webinars for music teachers um, out of our out of our music space, and I've just completed a, a round trip of Australia in, and uh, and Auckland as well. And it's been really interesting to walk up to people at at, uh, at these conferences and have them parrot back my my isms to me. And it, and I guess it's kind of interestingly building a community of educators as well who are embracing this. Uh, this way of thinking about music education um, and identifying that by coming up to me and saying, it's all about the gig. <laughs> Actually, that, uh, that road trip or the tour of Australia is something I'd like to hear about in more detail, and we'll save that for another conversation. Brad Fuller, it's all about the gig. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Welcome to Show Business, Colin. You've been listening to the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFast Australia. If you'd like to leave a comment on this podcast, send us an email to feedback at learnfastgroup.com.au. To find out more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au, where you can also subscribe to the blog. Until next time, bye for now. Bye for now.